Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Episode 118 of Outlander Cast is brought to you by Simple Contacts. Get $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash outlandercast20 or enter the code outlandercast20 at checkout. All the way from Cranston, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Everybody, how's it going? My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I love the random conversations that Mary and I have at like eleven thirty at night when we're not supposed to be having conversations. We're actually supposed to be sleeping. Yes, yes. And it just so happens that we were actually having one of these conversations uh, last night, as a matter of fact. And you know. We were talking about Outlander and the things that we love about it, the things that we hope that it will improve. And, you know, I came out with this thing at like midnight saying, you know, I feel like the one thing that Outlander is missing, the one thing that I really wish that it had was Iris Stephen Bear. I wish he had not left the show. And we started Mm -hmm. talking about it. And Mary's like, wait. Nope. <laughs> stop talking because stop, stop talking, Blake. That this is this is this is good cannon fodder for uh, a podcast episode because podcast. you guys know you're 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 our friends whether you're near or far wherever you are. Hmm. Seriously, we have these conversations about Outlander with you, and right. you know you have feedback in the Outlander Cast Clan on Facebook. And I was like, we need to have this conversation so that we can dive into this with the clan. So you're listening to this when you get this episode you're going to go of course see it posted in the outlander cast clan gathering on our instagram page all that kind of stuff we want to hear your feedback please we want to hear your thoughts on this discussion so mm-hmm. please do not hold back you can write your comments even on outlandercast.com on this episode but sure. do touch base with us because we desperately want to chat with you our friends about this thought so blake tell us a little bit more so for those of you who don't really remember Ira Stephen Bear. And it's okay that if you don't. Do you remember <laughs> um, this guy named Ira Stephen Bear? Ira was essentially uh, a, an, an executive producer and a writer for Outlander during its development, during season one, and he during season two. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually had writing credits throughout seasons one and two for The Garrison Commander, By the Pricking of My Thumbs, Wentworth Prison, To Ransom a Man's Soul, Not in Scotland Anymore, Preston Pans, and Why are you not singing those? The, because I'm not you, and thank God I can't sing. 
No. And okay. <laughs> and also the Hail Mary. Now, those were all exquisite episodes, except for one, which, you know, every once in a while you got to run into one, which was not in Scotland anymore. Not a big fan of that one. I know you didn't love that one. It's okay. So, it's okay. So that's who Ira Stephen Bear is. He's he's actually kind of a big deal for, for the nerd group uh, because he was his, his most famous work is for Star Trek The Next Generation, where mm-hmm. he actually met Ron Moore. Uh, who is the showrunner, obviously, for Outlander. And then Ira actually ran a bunch of his own shows, but the most famous one and the most well-accomplished one one is is Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yes. uh, Which, at the time, I don't think was really well-received. Well, not well-received, but it just wasn't as received as well as Star Trek The Next Generation Mm -hmm. because it was just so vastly different. It was almost the complete opposite of what Gene Roddenberry, the the creator of Star Trek, actually wanted. Yeah. Like, Gene Roddenberry thought, this has to be like... Uh, a utopia. Everybody gets along. There's no fu- there's no fighting. That don't happen. You know, and Ron at the time, even in TNG and Ira, they're like, Gene, we we can't do that. Like, it, mm-hmm. that's not going to be fun. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a drama filled show. It's just going to be the same thing over and over again. But Gene had a vision, and that's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So you know, as soon as Gene Rodberry died. Uh, they they went off and the guys started doing their own stuff in Star Trek and Ira took Deep Space Nine and took everything that Gene didn't want and said, we're doing it. Which I feel like is actually kind of a cousin to Battlestar Galactica, which is the show that Ron ended up show running before Outlander, which is really, it's all really interesting, the whole history behind it. But today we're talking about Ira Stephen Bear in context of Outlander. Yes. And I think my contention is that it misses Outlander misses Ira. You miss Ira and you feel like Outlander misses Ira. And as we right. gear up for season four, you feel like season three could have really used a little Ira. So we'll, well, right. let's like, well, let's get into it and, um, and we can, we can have a conversation okay. about it. And then what I want to do is I just actually, I want to show you or have you listen to a couple of things that kind of aid the point okay. uh, that, uh, that, uh, I think the show misses him a little bit. So you ready to, uh, to get into it, Mavin? Yes. All right, let's do it. So, here's the thing with um, Ira. In my opinion, he is a fantastic t- character writer. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is just tremendous. I mean, dating all the way again back to his work at DS Nine. It yeah. just you you knew what you were getting. You're, you're getting a professional writer who knows what he's writing, is capable of writing it, and just knows how to make good television knows what it takes to have good drama do you know what i mean i do and 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 i'm confident in saying that because i mean let's just take outlander you know for example uh and specifically the episodes that he wrote right okay so which ones for example well let's just take uh blackjack randall in the character the character in the garrison commander or uh, Dougal in, in Preston Pants. Okay. So, all right. This this is an exercise that not I want not only you, my darling Mary, to do, but mm-hmm. also you, the listener, to do. Pretend you're having a conversation with somebody who has never seen Outlander before. Okay. And I want you to describe Blackjack Randall or Dougal using examples from those episodes alone without saying what they look like what they wore, what their profession is, or their role in the show. Okay. Close your eyes, think about it, 
And what are the things that come to mind about Black Jack Randall or, or even Dougal? But what, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. Okay. I can tell you from my point of view, as you guys are probably thinking about it. All right. Black Jack Randall's somewhat artistic. He's drawing Claire as she's lying to him. He is respectful, but disregards authority when he doesn't believe in it by pouring out the claret. Mm-hmm. He is brutal. But he does have some code of honor and some respect for a harmony. He's beating Claire. Yet again, he knows that the politics of the world are a little too volatile to start a war with the Mackenzies. I would definitely use the word volatile for him. Volatile, right? (laughs) Yes. And the same thing goes for Dougal. I mean, in, in my eyes, he is a wild card. He runs crazy as he's charging down that hill. He doesn't listen to anybody except himself. He is a man of um, convincing material. He can convince others to do what he pleases, as was the case with Rupert and Angus, who were following him. Yet he is also brutal and also a little bit subtle and heartfelt as he has that conversation with uh, Lieutenant Foster before he slams the knife into Goodness him. Goodness gracious. Right? So that's what I'm getting. The, the idea is this. The more descriptive one can be while using these rules, the more detailed of the character and the deeper understanding we have of that character itself. And that's the whole point that I'm getting at. Ira can write these things. Ira can, can get down and dirty with all of this material. And he can do it very quickly and very easily, just the way that I said he just did, right? I mean, do you uh, do you believe what do you believe those things? That that you, the characteristics, the way that you called them out. Yeah, sure. I mean, I can see them. I can see them. I mm-hmm. see them in a little different way. That's okay, and that's the point, right? Yep. You can see them all differently. That what those I are. I see just them as ideas. having power, like both powerful men, both in respect to their positions, but also in their minds. They believe they're powerful and that they are above the rules. Right, right. And listen, I know they're both scary. <laughs> I know. Like that, I don't want to be in a room with either of them. I, I, no, no, nor would you want to. Right. I mean, I feel like. Um, and 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 for the very fact that you could say I wouldn't want to be in a room with either of them is just another example of why the character work of these two characters in, in Dougal or Blackjack Randall come out so quickly. Yeah, but so much of this was because of Diana. So I don't really understand how Ira right, but is getting into this. For example, let's just talk about Blackjack Randall. All the stuff that happens in the Garrison Commander, minus the punch, right? Or the kick at the end. There was very little description of what happened between Blackjack Randall and Claire. All that stuff, pouring out the claret, banging his his uh, his boots against the against the bulkhead or the, the opening of the doorway, and every and the and the generals making fun of making fun of Blackjack Randall. All that, that's all Iris Stephen Bear. The whole conversation between Claire and Blackjack, all Iris Stephen Bear. He is who wrote that. And that's the thing. Like, I know the immediate argument is to be like, well, yeah, Diana wrote this. Yeah, she may have created the character, but what fleshes out that character? The other immediate argument would be, well, this is Ron Moore's show. And Ira is building on the work that either Ron has created or what the other writers have created. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. 
But I think what I would say is, yes, this may be Diana's book. They may, they may be her characters. And this is Ron's sandbox in which he can play. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, what the fabric of that world, the fabric of the, the reality within that world, mm-hmm. falls on a singular person whether it's the writer of that particular episode. And that's why you cannot underestimate or devalue or undervalue the job of the screenwriter because it's the small details that the screenwriter, in this case it would be Iris Stephen Bear, that helps flesh out Ron's sandbox. It's his flair. It's Iris' flair. It's Iris' little added bits. And that's why it's so important, like why I always call out the writer and the director and and the DP each and every episode that we ever talk about Outlander because each and every one of them have their own flair. And that flair, again, it falls back to Ira where it's he is legit. He knows how to write. He knows how to write efficiently and evoke the emotion that you need to understand the characters that you're watching. And that's the whole point of what we're trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's, That's the whole point. And here's another thing too. And I know we were talking about this last night. You know, Ron and Ira have been together since their days in Star Trek The Next Generation. Listen, they're, they were the first bromance. Oh, yes. When, when we talk about bromance, I bet Ira's like, Ron, I'm going to include some bromance. That reminds me of me and you. I'm going to put a little bit of Ron and Ira in here. And <laughs> I'm going to put a little bit of Ron and Ira. Hmm. Um, who's Ron uh, who's Ira I don't know Vangus and Rupert guys weigh in weigh in this is one of the questions I'm going to ask that you put in I feel like Ron would be Rupert <laughs> and, and Ira would be Angus that's what we need to ask Ron more next because time we Ira when we had a, a, we had in our interview with him mm-hmm. he didn't care about nothing dude he was saying whatever the hell he wanted mm-hmm. and he was just like listen if you don't like what I have to say that's your problem not mine yep and he was like calling out the people that didn't like the uh, the final two episodes of yep. season one. Like I, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. I, I thought so. Angus, I, I think he's a little bit more hot tempered. Yes, just, I, I think Ira's hot tempered, and Ron's just kind of like, all right, man, chill. <laughs> Rupert's like, okay, we'll figure it out. Awesome, I you love know, it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You're, you're right there. Yeah, you, you got a little. You got a little emotional. What's going well, on? I mean, I think the idea that I'm trying to get at is Ron and Ira have like this, in, at least according to you know Ira's own words, you know, an amazing shorthand. They were able to convey each other's ideas, and even so much so that Ron even entrusted Ira to run the writers' room when he was absent from the room. Now that doesn't mean, like I know you made an argument to people like, well, what about Matt Roberts? He's talented. What about Tony Graffia? She's talented too. Why can't they do the same job? And I agree. Tony Graffia was writing with Ron during Battlestar Galactica. She gets yeah, they Ron. Have a back. Yeah, they. Yep. They totally get, each get other. it. I totally get it. But when you have, you know, when you work well with somebody, like there, there was a reason why one of the first phone calls Ron made was to Iris Stephen Bear. On their weekly bromance catch-up phone Yeah, call. it was to be like, hey, man, I got this thing brewing over at, over at Stars, and I think you should be a part of it. And like, There's a reason why Ira is one of the first phone calls. Agreed. Because you know when you work well with somebody... You want them on your team, on especially new projects when you're going to be working with people you don't know. Right. And 
so you know we 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 both know that Ron create basically recreated a lot of his Battlestar Galactica team to and and brought them on to Outlander. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it just it's it says volumes about their relationship that Ron would allow Ira to run the room while he's not there and actually like take care of things. Um you know and, and take care of of real issues and 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 guide the other writers in a way that maybe they didn't feel like going and of course those other writers were comprised of many people who were huge fans of the book series and Ira to his own admission was completely unaware of the entire outlander phenomenon and i think that is a major trait that is in the pro side for Ira. That he's that he's an not, Outlander virgin. He's an Outlander virgin. Like, and it's not like he has this loyalty to the book. Yeah, because yep, I get it. He's an Outlander virgin, so he this is all new, a whole new world, shining, shimmering, splendid. What what it comes down to is just like writing a good story and writing a, writing a good script for a good television show, not necessarily getting every single you know, beat from the book into the show because that's what the fans want. He's like, well, no, some of this is like, it's like not garbage, but it's just not worth it. Let's, let's move on here. Yeah. And so like when it came to, um, when it came to the garrison commander, Ron actually went to Ira to smooth out the other issues that the other writers who were actually assigned (laughs) to write the garrison commander, Mm -hmm. he went, he went them, he went there to like fix it. And this is what Ira had to say about it in, in our interview. I was uh, originally going to write as my first script episode three, and episode six was broken by the staff, and I could tell that, and Ron could tell that there were some issues about the confidence in in that script, and I just went to Ron and I said, "Look." If you want me to do it, I'll switch episodes and uh, I'll do six. And he said, "Yes, yes, thank you. You know, you'll, you, you know, I know you'll do it, and you'll, you'll, you know, have a, have a, we'll get a great script out of it. So it's that kind of stuff, you know." So getting to the garrison commander, this again speaks volumes. This is one of the major turning points for the entire series. Within that for it, well, within the first season, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing that there was very little description in the book, except for the punch, like I said, Ira went in there with the idea to create a, a, a one act play between yes. Claire and Blackjack. Yes. Randall. And to make, in the end, Blackjack Randall a more vibrant and actual viable character than the book had ever imagined. I mean, it just took our book hatred of Blackjack Randall and knowledge of him and then just gave him all this added flair. That's right. That we could either quote or we could hate (laughs) even more. Right. And that's when I really got into the character and, uh, you know, started to come up with all these little pieces uh, that that interested me, you know, it was it was the small details, the pouring the wine out of the window, uh, uh, the 
the line, the the truth bears a weight that no lie can counterfeit. I mean, there were things that I just discovered along the way that made it these little things that that started to fascinate me, and I realized just what a a complicated. I never really thought about Blackjack much, or that he was a complicated character, uh, except that he had a you know. Uh, a, a wicked dark side to him, but that that wasn't all that interesting at first for me. But then as I went through it, and yes, then I became Blackjack. I mean, can you imagine that? Writing all this stuff and not even caring about all the mustache twirling, yada, yada, I'm a villain. But like going down there and, and saying, I became Blackjack. Like I, I did this. I created that. I wanted him to be an actual so much more yeah right yes and and that is why i think outlander misses him Mm -hmm. because he is able to give somebody like a mustache twirling villain an actual an actual life an actual vibrancy to something that really probably shouldn't have that Mm -hmm. and he does that by using a, a specific tool which i which is called funneling and the this tool of funneling is the whole point of it is to take the scene and funnel down the whole point to the absolute last line of that scene, that particular scene. But before we do that, I think we should take a quick break and then we'll discuss what funneling really means in terms funneling uh, in terms of Outlander. <laughs> what do you think, Marvin? You th- I think that's a very funny word when you say it. Funneling. <laughs> right. Let's Just do it. say it. Say it out loud in your car. Funneling. Funneling. It's like there's a funny thing with your tongue. Say it five Fun- times fast. Funneling. 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 So you can't. <laughs> So, of course, we want to remind you that this episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by Simple Contacts. If you wear contacts, then you know how annoying it is to have to get your prescription year after year just to be able to buy more contacts. You know how you always like run out of them right before a big event or a vacation or a wedding? Or you just run out of your right one? Has that ever happened to you guys? And you're like, why do I have so many lefts? Where are the rights? <laughs> well, Simple Contacts is changing all that by using actually technology to renew your prescription and buy contacts. It's really, really simple. So what you do is you use your phone or your computer and you can take the Simple Contacts vision test in five minutes from literally anywhere. Your couch, your office, the airport, your car, whatevs. A real doctor is going to review your test in 24 hours, write you a new prescription, and bada bing, bada boom. You get a fresh supply of brand new lenses on their way to your door. There's no appointments, no waiting rooms, no overpaying. It brings the doctor's office wherever you are, whenever you need it. If you have an an unexpired prescription, you can just upload a photo of it or your doctor's info, and they're going to take care of it there. They do all the hard work for you. Now, listen, you guys know, I'm a busy mom on the go. This is convenient for me. I can order online. They're delivered. They offer every brand of lenses, and the prices are unbeatable. The prescription is just $20. The contact lens prices are low. Shipping is free. And you guys are going to get $20 off your first Simple Contacts order. So remember, go to simplecontacts.com slash outlandercast20. That's two zero, Or you can just enter the code outlandercast20 at checkout. And of course, oh, P.S., guys. Don't forget to like occasionally see your regular eye doctor. That's really important to see occasionally, but this is just a really convenient way to renew a prescription or get contacts if you're in a pinch. Okay, remember, simplecontacts.com slash outlandercast20. <laughs> so, you know, in our, our past episodes, I've, I've quoted uh, this guy, John Truby, and uh, what's called The Anatomy of a Scene, this book that he has. And it's one of those things that I, I can't stop 
reading. It's one of those what books I just keep reading over and over again. If you're really into this kind of stuff and you're really into um, how an episode of television or movies are made, please go get this book. Um, in it, he says, the beginning of a scene should frame what the whole scene is about. The scene should then funnel down Funnily. to a single point with the most important word or line of do- dialogue stated last. So, like, in other words, let's look at it, like, in your mind's eye right yep. now. Think of, like, uh, an upside-down triangle. Yes. Start off with a broad line. That do you mean think of a funnel? Think of a funnel. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got you. So, start off with a broad line that forms the framework of that The scene, top the of the top, funnel. And then it gets it becomes more and more and more pointed as, as the scene goes along. So, to allow the whole thrust of that scene to be pierced by one line. Boom. It, the one final line it gives you the most the important kicker. part. It's the kicker. The kicker. All right. right. So can you give me an example? Right. So the, the, this idea of funneling, I think, is very important. And Ira really uses that. And I want to talk about the first and biggest case of funneling that I saw, which was in the Garrison Commander. And and and, and I think the Garrison Commander is probably one of the most well-written episodes of Outlander there is. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that one specific part after... Uh, we, after it shows in the flashes, BJR beating Jamie with the whip and everything, and people are starting to like turn and be like, "Oh my god!" Yes. You know, and he's yes. already discovered that Claire is lying. He already drew the picture. She's already met him. They've they've been discussing now for about probably ten minutes or so, and everything starts to turn a little bit mm-hmm. after after uh, BJR starts talking about mm-hmm. why he did and what he did. And what happened with the crowd? Blind fools. I think all they could see was the horror. I... I could see the beauty. I saw the truth. That boy and I... We were creating a masterpiece, an exquisite, bloody masterpiece. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Right, so here is the first part the first part, the broad scope of what we're talking about. This is the beginning of the Upside Down Triangle. But here's the real kicker, the real point, the real issue that we have at the beginning of this scene. The truth carries a weight that no lie can counterfeit. That right there immediately sets what the scene is about how much humanity is in Blackjack Randall. But more importantly, Blackjack has already discovered that Claire is lying to him. Mm -hmm. He already knows it. Claire knows it. Oh, yeah. Oh, he does not believe that she was lost in the woods. And he is telling her, (laughs) he's telling her right from the beginning. Frank! (laughs) The scene ultimately, you're not not Frank! Frank. (laughs) The scene ultimately is about tricking Claire and eventually uncovering what she knows. Uh Uh-oh. Hold and on to your butts. It continues, and the scene starts to funnel down on Claire even more. Oh, that nose. I promised that I would reveal myself to you 
and I have. Yes. I believe you have. You think me a monster, no doubt. It could be so. The fact that you care what I think gives me some hope yet for your soul. So this is when Claire has now become trapped into BGR's game. She's inching closer and closer and closer to Black Jack Randall with each breath that she takes and with every word that comes out of his mouth. He's got her by the hook. Little cat mouse, he's got her. And Claire is starting to become, without even realizing it, she's becoming funneled and she's becoming boxed in by Black Jack Randall and he's doing it to her very easily. I know one thing, madam. Well, I'm not the man I once was. I came to Scotland to fulfill a soldier's responsibility to serve my king and protect my country. Instead, I find myself the watchman of a squalid, ignorant people prone to the basest superstition and violence. The darkness has grown within me. Hatred of the very world itself. I find myself doing such things. Reddish work. Until I no longer recognize the man I've become. Even that right there, you can you can hear it in his voice. He has her locked in. Mm-hmm. And Claire actually pauses and the tears well in her at the bottom of her eyelids and she's falling even deeper now she's funneling even more into his grip first soldier to be changed by combat the fact that you can admit to it is yet another hopeful sign oh claire the foot now he has her this is it right here you say that buried within a decent man. Nope. Not at all. A man that can still choose right over wrong. Eh. I believe that part of you lives still. And I love this part because now he knows that he has her and a smile comes on his face. And you think that it's a good, genuine, altruistic smile like, wow, I've, I've made a real breakthrough here. Do you want to be my best friend? This is this is amazing. Maybe be camp buddies and send each other pen pal letters with underwear? But it would be pretty to think so. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be pretty to think so? Yes, yes it would. But that's not going to happen. You cannot undo the things you've done. But it is not too late to win back your humanity. You can choose to be the man you wish to be. Do you think it possible... That one day I might gaze upon my own reflection and not be filled with loathing. Like, what's going on, bro? I believe. A man with your insight and self-knowledge can do whatever he wants. 
Oh, okay. So now she's funneled. She's in. She's trapped. And from here, the news tightens even further. Uh, when she tells him that he is capable of doing anything, and he he tangles her brain by pondering the rehabilitation of Blackjack Randall, and that he could begin this route by having Claire escorted to Inverness. Claire thinks that she has gotten exactly what she had wanted from the beginning. Yeah. To leave, to get Bye. out. Ciao. See you later. Arrivederci. She is happy. She is leaving. And Blackjack has made this happen, made her happy. It's an odd sensation to Blackjack. In fact, it's a new beginning, maybe, in his eyes. Aww. Nope. And everything is perfect until finally we get to the whole point of the mental web that Blackjack Randall has spun to a perfect T. The scene comes to a head with the infamous punch. The punch to Claire's gut. And now she finally realizes how much trouble she truly is in. I dwell in darkness, madam. Darkness is where I belong. I need no sympathy from you and you'll get none from me. One way or the other, I will get the truth out of you. Oh, God, right? Great. He's holding her head and he's right there. His face is right next to hers. She's yes. gasping for air. Corporal Hawkins comes by, gives her a good kick to the, to the stomach at Blackjack Randall's insistence. Dougal bursts in for the rescue. Blackjack demands that he bring Claire back else or they will hunt them down until they find them. Be sure to deliver her to Fort William by sundown tomorrow. Ugh. If she is not present at the appointed time... You will be accused of harboring a fugitive from English law, and you will be hunted down and punished, even unto death. War chief or not. Jerk. Let them pass. Come on, lad. <laughs> so she walks by Blackjack Randall, and what is the final word the point, the sticking point to the this funnel? In, the funnel. What is the final point? The piercing dagger point of this entire Do scene. Do tell. Here, what is it? Here it comes. I look forward to our next meeting, Mrs. Beecham. Oh, Jerk. yes. Jerk. Yes, ma'am. There it is right there. <gasps> and as a result of this entire scene, the whole truth is revealed about our main characters and the plot of the story is forever and the characters are forever and irrevocably changed. We see this relationship between Blackjack Randall and Jamie, the Blackjack Randall's depravity, Claire being the fragile person that she is and maybe having a little too much confidence in straddling and, 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 and navigating the 18th century. And it sets up to marry Blackjack, I mean, sorry, to marry Jamie. Claire and Jamie and the rest of the entire story for the remainder of season one and eventually puts our couple onto the path that gives them to their next meeting that Blackjack just said at Wentworth Prison. It is incredible, Okay, this so, so because of this writing and because of these interweaving webs that Iris Stephen Bear was able to sprinkle in, right. you feel like that has been missing. It has been missing. And here's another thing that I want to say. Remember the test that we had earlier? about Dougal or Blackjack, close your eyes with those parameters and think of, and uh, about those characters and yeah. describe them to yeah. someone that has never seen Outlander before. Yeah. Just don't tell me what they're wearing. Don't tell me what their role is in the show. Don't tell me what their profession is. Mm -hmm. And don't tell me what they look like. Mm -hmm. Don't give me their title. Yeah. I want you to think about season three and I want you to think about Galus. Okay. Describe her to me. 
she's crazy. She's crazy. This crazy yeah, old, that's old it. lady who is another maniacal person who is manipulative. <laughs> I don't think she's that manipulative. A freaking wannabe witch. Am I allowed to say that? Is sure. that a profession? A wannabe well, witch. Well, no, see, that's, that's, that's a profession. Oh, crapola. Okay. Let me think. So, what could I say that is not a perfect? Uh, wait, See, okay, a perver- so, uh, no, no, I don't understand your parameters of this uh, exercise. Okay, all right, it's I'll, too I'll, late. I'll go back. I'll go I'm back. I'm not allowed to say what she. Okay, what? so describe Galus without saying what they look like. She's a liar. Okay, what what they look like? Okay, what they wore? Yeah. what their profession is yeah. or their role in the show? Oh, okay. So she's a liar. She. Oh no, no. Specifically in the episode that she was introduced in as the, the main villain. Is the main villain coming out of the blood? Sure. Because that's what we had to do for these other two episodes. She's a rapist. That's what she does. That's, yeah, that, I'm able to use that as a describer, right? That, I don't really understand this exercise uh, well, anymore. Whatever. What I'm getting at is, <laughs> what I'm getting at is, there isn't much to Galus other than the fact that she's crazy, right? But that that's not a descriptor. That is not something that's character based. That is not something she likes. Virgins. She, may, she, she she doesn't she, like she, them. She needs a virgin for this for everything to work. With, okay? For what? What do you mean for what? And like she comes out of blood and she wears blood. But so she like, can go back in time. It's weird. It's just there, there's not she a lot a of descriptors. Seed. And that's what I'm getting at. You can easily Change go the world, back. Get the Stuarts back on the throne. Yeah, and that's another thing. Yeah, she wants this. She wants this. And that's her role in, in, in the show. She is trying to get the Stuarts back. You can't talk about that. But even if Why you can't could, talk about because it? that's her role in the show. Oh, this exercise, I would have failed. If this was a history lesson <laughs> and that's or an English lesson, the, I would have failed. One of the descriptive things you're trying to say is, yeah, she's trying to get the Stuarts back and yada, yada, based on a prophecy that came out of nowhere in the middle of this episode. It just, it just happened. You're saying that the villains... Got a lot of their juice thanks to the Irish Stephen Bear Flair. Well, I mean, not necessarily just Irish Stephen, uh, not just necessarily the villains. I'm just using villains right now okay. because that's it's apples. But you're to apples. saying that, for example, our main villain uh, got a lot of his flair thanks to Bear. Correct. And whereas Galus McCreary, yeah, <laughs> Irish Stephen Bear. Bear, and 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 Galus didn't really get any, any of that. She just she popped up, and it was cool. She got her own flair, but blood I, I, booty I think, flair. In fact. I would argue this. Bear McCreary, the other bear, gave, he added the flare, the bear flare. He gave the bear flare. Yes. By twisting the stone steam and and using the Yali Tanber to to like twist it and have this really weird alien metallic yep. sound. There was still some bear flare. That Ira. That is character work. That is what you can use to describe Galus. That's not writing. That's music. And that's what I'm getting at. Ira gave these guys an and and gave these characters even Rupert and Angus he was brought in specifically actually to write Rupert and Angus and then it just so happened that he was writing Blackjack Randall and he was really freaking good at it so they kept going with it mm-hmm. so that's my whole point after going through all of this I think Outlander misses them misses Ira because it was he's a guy that just knows how to write good television and he's not bound to the books He's not bound to making sure every beat comes into the show. He's bound to making good television. Mm -hmm. And he knows how to do it. And that is what I think... My darling, do you agree with me? I think Ira 
was amazing. I miss Ira. I do too. I'm interested to know if there was a universe where Ira was part of season three, what flair he would have added. Oh, it would have been good. It would have been good. I'm telling you. I know it. I know it would have been awesome. It wouldn't have been Leslie and Hayes. I'll, my, I'll make a drop at that. <laughs> yeah. He would, have, he would have done a good job with Leslie and Hayes. All right, Marvin, you ready to close this bad boy yes. out? All right, let's do it. that really means a lot to us are your written iTunes reviews. So if you're listening, actually any kind of review on your podcast app of choice, but if you're listening on iTunes or Stitch or anything like that, if you can leave us a written review, not just the stars rating, but if you could put a sentence or two, it honestly makes our day. I think a lot of people think, ah, they're not going to read it. We do. We read, read them. Every single one. We um, are so thankful for it. It goes a long way. It also helps other Outlander fans learn about us because podcasts, as you know, we're not advertised in TV. We're not advertised in all these different places. It's really word of mouth and getting recommendations in podcast apps like iTunes. So I want to give a huge thanks to Skeeter Ann. Said uh, Mary and Blake are great to listen to. I've chosen to watch other shows just because they podcast about them so I can listen. This podcast gets five kilts. I feel like I'm in a room chatting with friends about my favorite shows. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Skeeter Ann. And another big way that you can support the show is by becoming a patron of OutlanderCast. So you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash OutlanderCast. And for as little as $2 a month, you get extra special access to Blake's book club where he is doing chapter by chapter analysis of the book Outlander because he never read them before. Um, Mm -hmm. You get exclusive access to our notes. Um, You get a discount at MinuteWithMary.com. There's a whole bunch of wonderful things for just as little as $2 a month. And honestly, guys, that's less than a cup of coffee. Now, I want to give a huge shout out to Peg, Ann, Bobby, Liz, Meredith, Tina, Carolyn, Sharon, Tracy, Lisa, Keelan, Dana, Michelle, Jennifer, Heather, and Marilyn. Thank you guys so incredibly much, as well as Sue and Mary. They are at a certain high level on Patreon that they get their little shout out. So thanks, guys. And we're going to keep bringing you some more fun episodes. Do not forget to check out the Outlander Cast blog. Um, we have a great new post that just came out by our Sorcia editor, Janet Reynolds, about Terry Dresback. In case you didn't know, she's going to be gone after season four. She's retiring. So there's a beautiful post up there about the work that Terry has done and what a wonderful, um, you know, extra layer to Outlander she's brought Mm -hmm. to us, especially as book readers. You know, of course, we had our own ideas about the costumes, but to really see a true loved Outlander fan create these costumes. um, So definitely check out that blog post. Keep active in the Outlander cast clan gathering. And what else do you want to say, Blake? Another thing, too, is I know it's Droughtlander. I know you're looking for stuff to do. I get it. I am, too. That's why we're coming out with these episodes and why I'm listening to past episodes and talking about I Received Bear with my wife at 1130 at night. One thing I want you to do is go to maryandblake.com and check out our podcast for a show called This Is Us on NBC. It's called This Is Us Too, and Mary and I have created and discussed the show This Is Us, and we're actually really excited about it. We're almost completed with season one. We'll be moving on to season two very soon, in time for the September 25th premiere of season three. So keep that in mind during your Droughtlander mm-hmm. uh, as you as you go on and, and you suffer, just like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I got, kiddo. That's well, until the end. next time, folks, my name's Mary. My name's Blake. 
and you've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs> <laughs>